Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Ayers on the Road. It's a beautiful autumn day today and we're just so glad to share a few minutes with you and and we're glad to be uh, doing it right from our home today in downtown Salt Lake City. We're getting gearing up to go on a a European speaking tour in a, a little over a week and getting our bags packed up and it's going to be hires in the air for a while. We're going to go to six different locations in Europe. We hope we'll be able to broadcast ours on the road from there while we're gone. We're starting out actually, uh, let's go over the itinerary, Linda, just to get it in our own minds. Yeah, we are. We're excited and we actually do this a lot we have but we haven't um this fall we haven't traveled as much so i mean we've just done it locally but we are going to start in canada in a place called london ontario interestingly um that is going to be a group of parents who are committed and dedicated and um we're excited about that and then the interesting thing is we fly from london to london it's going to be an interesting flight get on in london canada get off and our old home of London, England. We have a daughter there, as many of you know, and so we'll spend a little time with her and do some more speaking. And then from there, we go on to Amsterdam, a place we've only been a couple of times. Yeah, a actually, we've just city. been there for a few hours at a time, but beautiful canals and gorgeous city. Speaking to a group of um, CEOs, young CEOs who run their own companies and are having a hard time as all really busy people do to balance their lives between their family, which they all know is their highest priority, and their work, which is often the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. And then let's see, Linda, from Amsterdam on to um, Bucharest. Bucharest in Romania. Uh, which is so exciting because our daughter, Shawnee, uh, served as a missionary there and when she was just a young kid. <laughs> Yeah, she's <laughs> and sure uh, just had an amazing experience. She and uh, Saren, who went to Bulgaria, were about the tenth and twelfth sisters in to those countries after the Iron Curtain went down. It was really an amazing experience. So she may well, even meet after us the there. The Berlin Wall came down. The yeah, Berlin Wall, the whole yeah. Thing, and and they were, and we got to love uh, Bulgaria and Romania in those early days when they were just transitioning from into a free market and so on. And so we've been there a few times, but it'll be great to go back. And oh then, my goodness. We were choked. Remember that with pollution when we were there, we'd go out in a white shirt and come back at black at night. The oh, yeah. missionaries were really, and really having a hard time with that. But I think they have cleaned that up somewhat. And we're so excited to go back. Then from Bucharest up to Zurich, where we'll be with our son, Talmadge, who lives there with his wife and, and daughter, and it's always great to go to Switzerland. Switzerland's like a magical place. It's also almost unworldly. It's yeah, it's, it's unique in all the world. <laughs> completely clean, and all the rules are followed, and um, it is beautiful. <laughs> Very organized. And then from there over to Madrid, which ironically is a place where another one of our daughters served uh, a mission for our church. Uh, Sadie. A wonderful thing. And Sadie. she's trying to find a way to slip over there and be with us for a couple of days. Although, I don't know. Boy, 
travel is so wild now. Our our kids have been all over the world. We kind of we kind of ruined them for traveling because we traveled a lot with them when they were we little. Ruined and them now, for staying home. For right? staying home, yeah. <laughs> Because they are just gone all the time. Our oldest daughter and her daughter are there with our other daughter this week uh, because it's fall break out here in our neck of the woods. Well, we always tried and still do. And now our kids are trumping us at this, I'm afraid. But we've tried to make travel into an education. And it is. I mean, if you approach it the right way, although there is a big difference between quick trips like this and, and, and tourism. And what, what we used to try to do is to spend a little time in a place where they could actually sort of, you know, sit down and get to know a place and, and actually live there. In some cases, we had them go to school uh, in places and so on. And it was pretty We had them go to school at Japan once, which was not as easy as it sounds because they all had to have inside shoes clean and then out shy shoes, and we only really took a couple of pairs of shoes. So, so that was crazy, but so interesting. They'll never forget those few days. Oh but, boy, we're reminiscing now. Yeah, we, we are. But it, topic, but we did, we did. I mean, again, it's a question. Some people say, "Well, travel. It's only for. It's so expensive. How could you ever do that with children and so on?" There are ways to travel that are not near as expensive as you might think, especially if you have, I mean, again, this gets into another topic. We should do a show sometime, Linda, on alternative sort of family vacations, where instead of going to Disneyland or going to, you know, a resort, you pack up and you go do a humanitarian project in some third world country, or you maybe go somewhere and, build a log cabin or you, you do something well, different. And a lot of times that how much you save while you're staying in a place makes up for a discount airfare that you might be able to find. And, you know, you can actually do things in traveling with kids that seem impossible at first glance if you really research them and find an economical way to do it. But I do have to say before we leave this subject that um, Thoreau also said that the biggest, the most wonderful place to learn about the world and the whole world is your backyard. I didn't say that very well. Well, let me actually give that quote. Of course you have. A man who travels is a fool because the whole world exists in his own backyard. That's it. I don't know if we really agree with that, but it, it is a sort of a counterbalancing thought that it's not, it's not mandatory to travel with your children for them to learn about the world because there are such a thing as books and other ways to learn about the world. But I do think, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, getting your kids out of their comfort zone, putting them in a place that's foreign to them, that's different, that, that has different things and feelings and approaches to life is a tremendous part of their education. And don't automatically assume you can't do it because it's too expensive because there are ways to kind of make it work. Anyway, that's a long So how preamble. are you going to morph from that to our topic? Well, yeah, our, our, our marriage <laughs> tip, our, our, our top 10 marriage tip number seven. We're, we're really interested in finishing off this series because we think there are 10 really powerful things that work in marriage pretty much irrespective of the situation of the marriage. And, and also, you know, there are 10 myths 
of marriage. And a few weeks ago, we did a show called The Ten Myths of Marriage, and we're contrasting those with these 10 tips for marriage. You can go back on, on BYURadio.com and find that one on myths. In fact, it looks as though we had a talk with our publisher the other day, and many of you know we're working on a marriage book, the first one we've done. Because finally, after 50 years, we think we know a few things. <laughs> a few things, but still. <laughs> but anyway, he, he want, the publisher wants us to call the book The Ten Myths of Marriage. And we're compromising with him and say, well, let's call it The Ten Myths and The Ten Truths of Marriage. And so these 10 marriage tips that we're doing on the show that we're up to number seven on today are kind of a preview of what we think those 10 truths are. Yeah, it's going to be fun and interesting, and uh, every time we finish a book, Richard says, now that's the last one, and we're <laughs> never doing another one, and I'm like, I'm with you, I totally agree, because all that editing is really a pain, but um, we just can't stop, so uh, we we're are going to have that out next yeah. year. Anyway, uh, the, the topic today is an interesting one. Um, you say it exactly. Honey. Well, I think the words, the, the interplay between the words make it kind of interesting. Um, trading voluntarily, giving up your independence in favor of something better, which is interdependence. And that, you may, you may say, you well, that sounds, that sounds a little, yeah, well, I can say it more briefly. Willingly trade your independence for interdependence. And some people might say, well, that's kind of a play on words, and that sounds a little academic. Actually, it's one of the most practical tips you could ever have, because the thing that makes the difference between a lasting marriage, oftentimes the, the, the determining factor in how good a marriage is and how long it lasts and how stable it is, is whether both partners in the marriage have really consciously made up their mind that they, 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 they want to give up their independence in order to have something higher, which now, is now, interdependence. Of course, honey, but the way you say that kind of makes I know, women and bristle. I could, yeah, and I mentioned too. Yeah. I mean, because you're, you're not saying that you've totally got to just um, give up who you are and become uh, one and and uh, be totally interdependent, and there's nothing left of you. Because it's that's the total opposite of what we're saying. Yeah, and that would almost be codependence, like something where you can't right. get along on your own, or you you are sort of, you know, uh, you're you're a weak person who has to have help from others, and that's not what interdependence means at all. Interdependence, essentially, in its positive sense, means, hey, we are better together. We are more together than the sum of our parts. We are forming something. And we're forming a new entity in this marriage, which is powerful because it combines our strengths. It doesn't give up anything. It, neither of us have to become less than we are. We become more than we are by deciding that we're interdependent. But what I mean about it being an attitudinal change and, and determinant is that, you know, there are, there are so many marriages we run into where people are so, they're still so concerned about being independent that they really don't ever fully commit to the marriage. And, and part of that full commitment is the idea of saying, hey, we made a conscious choice. We're, we're interdependent. I do need you. I'm not independent of you. I'm not someone that can 
I don't want to be someone that makes it on my I want to make it with you. We are together. We are interdependent. And, you know, there's so much more of that now, actually, than there ever was, because we often have both spouses working and um, they have to share um, child care responsibility and, and work it out. It's just yesterday I was with um, a darling little friend who's from Pakistan. Her husband's from Spain. They're really doing all they can to um, make life work with a brand new baby whom they adore and have been begging for for three years. And finally, this little baby arrived. But now they're at the point where they have to make a living. So she is starting work this morning at at, at six o'clock in the morning. She works until two thirty. Wow. Then he comes, uh, and then he takes care of the baby, and then she um, takes care of the baby, and he goes out to be an Uber driver the rest of the day. It is it is really amazing, but they're doing it. They're making it work because and they're doing it in an interdependent way. Absolutely, they're yeah. so proud of them. Let's take a brief break, and then we'll really deep dive into what interdependence means and why it's such a powerful, wonderful concept. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're talking today about a lot of things, but um, our topic is is trying to consider independence and interdependence in a marriage, which is really important and really hard to come up with a really good balance. Let me me introduce three key words, Linda. They all happen to start with S. They're not necessarily the ones you think they are, (laughs) but they're, they're words that might enhance this idea or this concept of interdependence in a marriage. The first one is synergy. Uh, the second one is symbiosis, and the third one is synchronicity. Now, I want you to think about each of those. We want to talk about each of them for a minute because they're all, they're all part of this sort of concept of creating a new entity in your marriage where you have, you have graduated from the idea of independence and taking care of myself and doing everything on my own and not needing anyone but myself, you've graduated to a higher paradigm, a higher level, where it's an interdependence and it's a partnership. And as you pointed out, Linda, it contains creative teamwork and and prioritizing and so on within it. And, and so it becomes something even better and it's part of a total commitment. So synergy, as as many know, because it's really a popular word these days, simply means there are combinations where the sum of the parts is actually not as great as the combination. In other words, the total is greater than the sum of its parts. You've decided, hey, one plus one can equal three. We can combine our various skills. We can do it in a way that we accomplish more together than the total of what we could accomplish separately. And that's your example of, of Nadia and her, and her little family is a good one of that. People in marriages, the best marriages are always looking for synergy. And, and that's what we need. I mean, I think that we are so much better together than either of us are individually. 
Um, I have to say, I don't know what I, you do without me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you kind of flipped that one on me at the last moment. <laughs> I have to say also, I don't know what I do without you. There we go. I That's mean, where I thought you were going. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's such an interesting thing because we're not the same at all. We do everything differently. But the way we can combine who we are and how we do things is is pretty fun when you think about it. Not every day in every way, I have to say. <laughs> because there are those moments when I'm dynamic like, ah. dynamic tension, we call it. Yeah, right? that's right. There's a little dynamic tension and synergy. But we're, we're just going to throw these three words out and kind of circle back on them. So the second one is is symbiosis. A lot of you know, it's a scientific word basically, where one organism and another organism combine and are dependent on each other. And you've You've seen, you know, biology examples of that. I'm sure that the little clownfish that swims around amenines, the little, the little anemones. Well, it's anemones. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, what's the name of the movie? You know, the little fish, the little. Oh yeah. <laughs> the cartoon <laughs> that all our grandkids watch. That we adore. And so the the little um, the little uh, anemone. Nemo. The no. Little, yeah, finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. So, well, so the yeah. little, the little, say it again. The little, the little anemones. Anemones are the little habitat, and the little clownfish is protected by them. And the clownfish, at the same time, keeps the predators away from the from the little uh, anemones. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget it. So but, symbiosis, you know, or the little sucker fish that go on sharks that clean them, even as the shark swims them around and on and on. The idea that sometimes there are two organisms that really need each are other. Are you saying that I'm a sucker fish? <laughs> no, you're the shark. <laughs> oh, good. Let's I'm get that suck, straight. I'm, I'm attached onto you. <laughs> We're swimming around down here. So that's another concept. And then uh, anything you want to say anything about symbiosis? Uh, well, it's the same kind of thought, you know, that one can't live with it without the other. I mean, symbiosis is part of nature. It's a force of nature. It's something that has to happen in order for something to go forward. You have to have each other. You have to have two different entities that work together. And the third S word is maybe a little less known than the other two. Although some, it's almost a cult with some people. And it's the word synchronicity. And this is a word that um, Carl Jung, the, the Swiss psychiatrist, um, really made up this word. And it basically means a wonderful sort of a magical interdependence between two things and a, the connectedness of everything. Like the butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil and changes the climate slightly in New York City or something. I mean, how everything is somehow connected together and in marriage in a good interdependent marriage people sort of complete each other's sentences i mean they just they they sense what each other needs they feel what each other needs they realize that everything each of them does impacts the other person even if it's a little thing if it's like a little look or a, a tone of voice or uh, an empathetic sense of oh i know what you're feeling right now and so on and, and these things kind of come together. And, and so those three S words, um, symbiosis, synergy, and synchronicity, we think are sort of three parts of this wonderful 
beautiful thing called interdependence where you don't, you, you don't, it's not a, it's, it's not a switch out where you lose something. You keep yourself and who you are and what your strengths are, but you combine it in a way that creates something wonderful in a marriage that will last. And what we're really saying is that needs to be a conscious thing. People need to say, I'm not, I'm not just trying out this marriage and I'm not just an independent person who's going to see if I can live with another person. You're saying, no, I understand that we are going to a new place and interdependence is a whole new ball game from independence. Well, now, honey, I love all this, and I think you're absolutely right about everything, but I'm, there have got to be a about lot of everything? people. Ooh. No, that we've talked about this morning. But, but I think there are a lot of people out there listening who say, oh, that sounds great, but I am just not getting what I need from my spouse. How in the world could I possibly create this when um, there are just some things that I can't deal with, that I can't? Uh, change. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. But see, what do you do when you're in that situation where you're saying, I'm just not getting what I need? I'm just now. Now, again, we always have to make the caveat. If there's a situation where there's abuse or where there's serious mistreatment, then that's not. Of course. You got to work on that. that. That's not this. This is a different thing. This is this is talking to people who are in a marriage who want it to last. <laughs> and who want to make it the best it can be. And I think what I'm saying, honey, and what I want to answer your point with is that if you're at a a place where you're saying, how does this marriage solve my needs and I'm not getting what I need and maybe this isn't working, you know, there's two ways you can go. One is to sort of magnify those problems and worry about them more and more and they get worse and worse. And the other one is to say, Let's stop here for a minute. Let's make a conscious decision together that we are choosing interdependence. And that's not easy. That creates some friction at times. That creates some feeling of dependency at times. But we're going to accept that because we want to, to sort of fashion this union where we have agreed to be interdependent, and to, to depend on each other and to need each other and to be vulnerable and not try to stand on our own. Right. And sometimes you actually need a therapist to help you talk that through because there are a lot of marriages in trouble and um, there, there just need to be some ways that you can work through that. Sometimes it's not even possible to do that on your own because you're stuck in such a rut. But there are other marriages where it just takes some tweaking, some understanding that, okay, um, I need to find out what my spouse needs in order to feel that we're really interdependent. Well, and one of the reasons that we we love talking about marriage and one of the reasons we, one of the underlying things beneath these 10 tips on marriage that we, we didn't discover and we've just noticed them and we're trying to relate them to you. And one of the keys is a lot of communication, right? A lot of talking about this. We would like to see you make interdependence a topic of your conversations with each other within your marriage. Are we really interdependent? Well, we are. Maybe we're more interdependent than we know. Let's explore the ways we rely on each other. And are those good things? And are those things we want to do? And and so the discussion between, I mean, there's sort of talk with two subheads. One is between yourselves 
And the other one, like you mentioned, Linda, sometimes you need a third party, whether it's a therapist or a trusted friend or um, whoever it is that you can you can get trust, feedback yeah. from yeah. and trust. How are we working on this interdependence? How can we do better at it? You know, right? It really is. Um, boy, you know, we we can't assume that everybody's marriage is like ours. In fact, none. None of them are like no marriage. No two marriages and, are alike. Uh, we are dealing with eight marriages amongst our children, and every single one of them is different. And uh, I'm just thinking, for some, this would be harder than others because one spouse doesn't talk very much. You know? Yeah, that's true. And uh, so you've got to figure that out. But again, I think the real key is communication, even if the other spouse doesn't talk very much. or They come from a culture where talking is not um, a deal, then then you need some outside help to be able to get some things worked out. And, you know, maybe we should have started with this next point rather than kind of ending with it. But but what one thing that interdependence is, is it's a it's a rejection of independence. Now, that may be too strong a word, but independence is a really tough thing to give up mentally because we live in a world where independence is almost worshipped, right? I mean, uh, societally, we have our declaration of independence. Uh, independence is thought of as a strong, powerful quality, which everyone should aspire to. And it is on many levels. But, but what we're saying is that in order to really get to this concept of interdependence, you almost have to consciously give up the idea of independence. And, and let me make a little case for that. Independence is kind of a crock anyway, Linda. I mean, who's, who's really independent? Think about it. We're, as human beings, we're, we're interdependent on almost everyone else. I mean, we, you turn the lights on, you're, in, you're interdependent on the, the power company. You open the computer and you're interdependent on technology and, and you walk down the street and go to the grocery store and you're interdependent with everyone that's there. It's like, well, and all like, the people who supply the groceries, it, you know, we are dependent on a lot of other people. Yeah, like it or not, we're interdependent. And, and those who have faith, people of faith, uh, understand that they're also dependent on God, on nature, on the world, on, on, on Mother Earth. Uh, we're, we're dependent uh, just for the air we breathe. And so in a way, part of part of this is understanding that independence is kind of a, a false concept. We, we, li we like to think of it financially. We like to be financially independent. We like to sort of stand on our own two feet. And those are good things. But part of this journey is to say, OK, there's a better thing. And if I've found someone I love and I want to share my life with, what we were interested in forming is not independence, but interdependence. And I'm willing, I'm vulnerable. I want to admit to myself, I really need this person. I can't live without you. Right, exactly. And so I think what we're saying today is just to give some thought about your marriage and where you are with independence and interdependence and see if you can't uh, come up with some ways that you feel more interdependent, dependent on each other for the things that you need along with knowing who you are as a person. And I think that'll that'll manifest. Once you start thinking about this, it'll manifest itself in many ways. I mean, a lot of times our instinct is to say, all right, I don't need you. 
if that's the way you're going to be, I'll just be off here on my own and I'll just do it myself, you know, and, and that, that is a separating attitude and interdependence is a joining connecting attitude. So I hope you'll, we hope that you'll take the challenge and think a little bit more about your inter- interdependence as a married couple this week. And we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.